Well, good morning again, everybody. Um, it's been good so far. Hello, online community. Glad you guys are with us today. And I, I love that Ben got that piece early on to talk about renewing our devotion. That's what we're going to do during Lent. I felt, felt like it was an awesome seven-minute sermon, and I think we're done. I think that's all we need. Let's go home. So good. And, um, and so I'm really, um, um, but I'm grateful to be with you as we continue to go down our series of digging in, which is really, we're talking about the richness of the good news. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter one, all of Lent, uh, digging in the richness of the gospel is our sermon series. Can I just, you know what, Emgard, let's look at verse four, where is where I'm going today. I want to read it before I, I, I kind of tell you a story about something that happened to me this weekend or that I learned about this weekend. But this is the verse that we're going to be in today. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. He chose us in him, he had us in his mind before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. One of the things we're gonna consider this morning as we look at the richness of the gospel, the richness of the good news, is that he has had the perfect version of you, the real you in his mind from eternity past. Is that not an incredible thought? I, was, um, I went to a women's conference this weekend online. It was super creepy. Uh, I had, to, yeah, I had to sign up. I'm like, they're like, who's watching? And I'm like, Sarah. You know, like I had to make up a name. No, I put Jeff and, you know, I watched it online. It's a, it's a conference in Dallas that my uh, daughter has worked for this organization for 10 years. And, and, um, and so, some, so my wife went, my daughters went, and then some other friends went. That's an IF conference, what it's called, that Ben was praying about. And ended up like 33 women from our church ended up going, just su- super off the cuff. Anyway, it was an amazing conference. It was super fun to be a part of it. And one of the speakers that I really resonated with is a 26-year-old named, named Sadie Robertson Huff. Does anybody know that name? Anybody know why, she, where she's from? Anybody know that, like, she was a Duck Dynasty grandkid. Like, that's who she is. Now, I never watched Duck Dynasty, but I hear it's a thing. Like, it was a big deal. She was a kid during that whole show, and um, I think she was 12 when the thing started, and it kind of chronicled her through her teens, and she got married young. It's she, here's the thing. She is 26 and loves Jesus and is out preaching the word to her generation. I mean... It's worth a follow on Instagram if you're the kind of people who click and like, okay? So go and check it out. Sadie Robertson Huff loves the Lord. It's super fun. But here's the thing that was tapped into it for me, um, this message that I'm giving this morning. She was talking in her message about longing to live out the calling that God has put on her life. Now, by the way, when you're 62 and you see somebody who's 26 talking about the calling, you go, oh, bless your heart. But dude, she brought the word and she walks with God. It is, she's awesome. Anyway, I'm a big fan. So she was talking about that, but at the end of her talk, now think about this idea that God has chosen us since before creation to be holy and blameless in his sight. God has had the perfect us in mind from before time began. She was telling a story about um, when she was five years old and that her parents took a video of her and she showed it at the end of her talk. Now, five years old, this is before Duck Dynasty. This is before all the craziness, A&E and Instagram and all this kind of stuff. This is before, this is when her parents were still like woodsy Louisiana people, which they still really are. So, but there's a video of her, just like any old family video, she's five years old and she's talking 
about loving God. And she literally says at the end of this clip, and if I ever get famous, I will still love Jesus. (laughs) You guys, she now has 5 million followers on Instagram. Like, it was like she had tapped into God actually had this view of who she really was and who she could become. And that's the real her. And she knew that somewhere inside when she was five years old. Isn't that cool? I love that. You see, the reality of it is, is that's every one of us. I want you to use your holy imagination to think about the perfected, perfect version of you. Think about the perfected, perfect version of you. Not been victimized by anybody, haven't been corrupted by the world, there's no sin in your life, there's no brokenness, there hasn't been any steps backwards, there hasn't been any going off the rails, there hasn't been any resentment, there's no character problems. This is the perfect version of you. No limitations, no self-preoccupation, self-reliance. This is the you that you were meant to be. Can you just picture who that is? You guys, that is the real you. That's the real you. And it's in there. It's who God made you to be. Now, I know it's hard for us to get in touch with that person, but you actually, I know you can because you actually get in touch with that person for other people. When you look at someone you love, someone you have grace for, right? Someone who's struggling, even someone who's off the rails in your life or you see them in the world. When you're walking with God and you're full of hope and good news in Jesus, you're like, that is not who you were made to be, my sister, my brother. That's not who you really are. And we can get in touch with the real you of somebody else much easier than we can get in touch with the real you of us. But God has had that you in mind since the beginning of time. And the good news is, this is the richness of the gospel that we're going to talk about, that's who God has had in his mind, and it is what he wants to make you into even today. And that's what this text is teaching us. So I called the sermon title, You Were Made for This. You were made for this. Because here's the, po- here's the point. Here's the, it, it was his plan. You were made for this. This was his plan. That you would be restored into a relationship with God through Christ. And that you would be transformed more and more into that person by the Holy Spirit. That's where I'm going this morning. That's the good news. You were rescued for a relationship with him through Christ. And you are being transformed every day more and more into the real you by his Holy Spirit who is within you. So I want to look at all this. And I loved Carly's prayer, by the way. She just said, man, Lord, we've we've been spinning our wheels thinking our way is better. But this idea that what we were made for is God's plan to have a relationship with him through Christ and to be transformed into the real us by the Holy Spirit That is God's plan. Let me remind you that then living any other way is not God's plan. And so we want to get in the way of God's eternal plan for us. This is what he has. So back to the the verses. Verse four, I'd love to start by reading. I don't have it on the screen, but you know, we just did the introduction of Ephesians. We're going to be in Ephesians one, one through 14, the richness of this good news throughout the entire Lenten season. But We looked at verses one through three last week. I'll read it again. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. Remember this. 
to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Verse three, we're gonna end every service in Lent with that. We did it last week, let me read it again. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. And then he goes on to list what those are. And the first one is our text for today. For he chose us. Here's the spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight, in love. He did that in love. I put it in parentheses in love there because some translations, a little Bible nerd moment for you. Some of you guys encouraged me last week. You liked the Bible nerd moment. Here's a Bible nerd moment. Some of your translations have the words in love attached to this sentence. It's at the end of the sentence. Because did you know that in the original Greek when Paul wrote it, he, there's, no, there's no punctuation. They didn't need punctuation because, well, they were saving ink and they were saving space. And because the context of all the words, they kind of knew here's the verb, here's the adverb, here's the noun. We kind of know the deal. And so by the context, they could figure out where the soft stops work, you know, the commas, where the hard stops were. We'd call them periods. They didn't even have that back then. So we're not really sure whether the words in love were attached to this sentence or whether the words in love were attached to the next sentence. So it could be that it's reading, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he did that. Or for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. Hard stop. In love he adopted us as he chose us to be adopted as his sons and daughters. So it's in love. The next part's in love. Here's the whole thing. The whole thing is they could be both. It could be all of it. It could be like he chose us for the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight, in love and in love. He, cho- he adopted us as sons and daughters. I want you to know that. I want you to see that because when we see this kind of stuff, it's an ancient document we're studying. And when there's some questions about how we actually translate it out into everyday eighth grade English for you and me, that's the way the NIV is. It's aimed at eighth graders. So if it's a little hard for you, So for eighth grade English, what they're saying is if you're in eighth grade, you've learned every word you probably need to know, which I love. That's it. We're not really sure where that goes, but it doesn't change the meaning, right? Isn't that a fun little deal? All right. So for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. I love uh, Eugene Peterson, who did a paraphrase called the message. Look at what he says. This really clarifies it. It captures the meaning of the Greek. It's his version here. Look at long before he laid down the earth's foundations, he had us in mind and settled on us as the focus of his love to be made whole and holy by his love. Isn't that good? Look at it again. Long before he laid down the earth's foundations. This was God's plan. This was his plan, you guys. From way back, he had the perfect version of us in his mind. And he settled on us to be the focus of his love. He was going to do whatever it took to be in a relationship with us, to make us whole and holy in his love. That's God's plan. And that's what this verse teaches. Just one more time, go back to the other version for me. M guard verse, yeah, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. He is longing for us to have a relationship with him and then to be transformed and become more and more holy, even 
in this life. Now, there's a few hugely important theological truths I want to lay out for us from this text. This one verse, it's not even a full sentence in the Greek, but here's something, some things we got to take home about it. Number one, from the beginning of time, and I've kind of been alluding to it already, from before the beginning of time, God has had the real you in his mind. The real you in his mind. From before time began, he has the perfected you in his mind. He's got the perfect you in his mind. That's the real you that he created you. Unmarred, un, uh, 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 obscured by sin. That's what God has always had in his mind for you and does today. Here's a good reminder. The Bible doesn't start, the story of walking with God and our salvation doesn't start in Genesis 3, which is the story of the fall, where sin came into the world and people turned to their own way and schemed and looked for life in ways other than the way that God designed us to find it. That's not where the story begins. The story begins in Genesis 1, where God made a perfect world and perfect people to live in perfect fellowship with him in a way that brings life at its fullest. Doesn't that make your heart beat? That's where the story begins in Genesis 1. That was God's plan. It's always been his plan. The text that we're looking about says that it has always been God's plan to make us blameless and pure, holy and blameless in his sight. That's always been his plan. That's what he's wanted to do. And so one of the takeaways from that for us is that from the beginning of time, God has had the real you in his mind and his heart. I don't know what you conceive of in your head when you think of you. Maybe it's your junior yearbook. Did anybody see me up there yet? Did you recognize me? I was hoping it'd be too small. You wouldn't know that was me. But I do rock puka shells like none other. Okay, now you're distracted. Let's all look at that. I don't know if it's the five-year-old you that you think is the real you before all the junk went down in your life. I don't know if it's the 10-year-old version of you who began to understand life and could feel it and enjoy it and knew of who you were. I don't know if it's the high school version of you. I don't know if it's the 40-year-old version of you, like, I don't know what version of you is the real you, and I'm here to tell you the scriptures have, it says that before the beginning of time, it was God's plan that he would have the real you in mind, that you would be destined for this holiness, for this blamelessness, the real you in a relationship with God. That's what he thinks of. That is actually the real you. From the beginning of time, God has had the real you in his mind and his heart, and this is then what he sees not what's obscured by sin. He sees you as the perfect intended version of you. You believe that? That takes a mind change for many of us because we see ourselves as the obscured version of us. No, he sees the perfect version of you. There's a little Christian thing that people say and it's actually not um, strictly true. People say, when he looks at me, he doesn't see me, he sees Jesus. I wanna tell you something. When he looks at you, he sees you. He sees you loved by Christ. He sees you saved by Christ if you've said yes to what Christ has done on the cross for you. But he sees you. And people are like, well, he doesn't see my sin. No, he sees your sin, people. That's why he commands us to holiness. That's why he commands us to repentance. He sees your sin and he's like, that's not how it should be. That's not the you I created. That's not life as it should be. You were created to walk 
blameless and holy with me, unobscured by sin. So he sees it and his heart breaks for us. And fortunately, he doesn't hold that sin against us. That's what the scriptures teach because of Jesus. But he sees it. And he doesn't see you and be like, I'm so sick of this. He sees you and goes, I know who I made you to be. And I know who I long for you to be. And that's what's in my mind and my heart constantly for you. And that should totally encourage us, you guys. He calls us to be the real us. And part of what I want to say about that, the real you is in his heart and his mind. If we can get our heads around that idea too, that we can have the real us in our minds, you guys, it would open up for us a sense that the real you is glorious. The real you is beautiful, perfect in its conception by a perfect God who uniquely designed you, who makes no mistakes, created perfect in and through a perfect love. That's who you are. Friends, that we have a spiritual inferiority complex that keeps us kind of living into and living out of the obscured version of us. That's not who we are. We need to be living into and living out of God's view of us, which is the one that has been restored and redeemed and made perfect, the one he had in mind from the beginning of creation. That's who you really are. And so when you get in touch with that part, that's not pride, people. That's not pride. That's where we live with a sense of, God, I love the gifts you've given me. I love the heart you've given me. I love the personality you've given me. Ready for this? I love the body that you've given me where we can live in a sense of God, perfect view of us is glorious. And that's not, for, that's not for pride, but that's for spiritual confidence to be like, right here, right now, I am and am becoming God's person. And it's a gift. <laughs> I'd love for you to come in and just be like, oh, good morning, I'm a gift. <laughs> Better yet, let's not say it. Let's live into it and live out of it. So that's one of the things that from the beginning of time, he's had the real us in his mind. And then secondly, you see it there on the screen. His plan has always been then, therefore, if we're going to live into this, that this real us and God, that God has in mind, then his plan has always been that you would be made holy and blameless in Christ. I know it's a lot of religious words, but his plan right from the beginning of time. His plan, this is his plan. His plan has always been that you would find salvation in Jesus. Amen. That's been his plan from the beginning. That's his plan from the beginning. You know that from the beginning of time. It's, it's true, and it's all over the scriptures. Look at 2 Timothy with me, 2 Timothy chapter one. This is a great text. He has saved us and called us to a holy life. Here's his salvation. To a life set apart for him. That's what that verse was teaching in verse four, right? He saved us, called us to a holy life, a life that's been saved by Christ and being made holy by the Holy Spirit. He saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose. This was his plan. This was his plan. This was his plan. This was his plan to restore you into the real you. 
Not because of anything we've done, but by his own purpose and grace. And then it goes on to say this. Look at this, second half of verse 9 and 10. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. That's what we've been saying. But it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Again, I hope you can get through all of the biblical sounding language, all of the Jesus Christian-y sounding language into that. But what this is really saying is it has been from the beginning of time, God's plan to bring salvation, to bring life through Jesus. And that is going to get us back in touch with the real us that we were intended to be. That's been God's plan from the beginning. That's one of the we're, asking, we're talking through Lent about the richness of the gospel in this text. That is rich. That God has always not only had you in his mind, the real you in his mind, but he has brought you salvation in Christ. His greatest desire then is that you would want and accept that salvation. Because that's been his plan from the beginning. Oh, here's the perfect you. Here's the real you I've had in mind from the beginning. This is the you that you're destined to be, and it's obscured by sin, but I want to make you blameless in Christ, so I will offer this salvation. Won't you receive it? This is always God's heart that we would receive it. And many of us have done that. Many of us have said yes to Jesus, but many, many, many haven't. But he could always see you and everyone in the world. He could see the you being saved by Jesus. And that's been his plan. It's, it's called, theologically, it's called imputed righteousness. How's that to inspire your Sunday morning? <laughs> or positional righteousness. Or positional holiness, meaning our position is that we are restored with God 100% fully. We have been saved by grace, not from anything we have done, but because of what God did through sending Jesus. And that is a hard stop. We are righteous before God. That's been his plan. And it's part of him saying, I see the real you, and one day I will restore the real you fully. It started with Jesus Scriptures say that Jesus was raised from the dead as the firstborn. But many of us then would come and follow him and live in newness of life. This is what God has always wanted, is to save us so that we can be that version, that real us. And so this is where it goes, you guys. So not only has his plan been to make you holy through Christ, but his plan would then be, that's positional, but let's talk practical. His plan would be that now, even this side of heaven, before the kingdom comes in its fullest, his plan would be that you would continually be made holy and blameless through the power of the Holy Spirit. If from the beginning of time, God had the real you in mind and wants to restore you to the real you, there's two things now, positionally, go back, look at the words, let's compare the two words. Look back to the slide before. Positionally, his plan has been Sorry, the other one. His plan has always been that you'd be made holy and blameless in Jesus. That's salvation. His plan would be that you would be made holy and blameless in Jesus for all eternity. That's salvation. And secondly, that's positional. And secondly, practical, his plan has always been that you would continually be being made holy now by the power of the Holy Spirit. 
So why am I, what's this all about, you guys? This is all about the scripture saying, what's the richness of the gospel? That from the beginning of time, he wanted you to be fully you, and so he needed to save you in Christ. Have you received that salvation? And now, even now, he's gonna start making you more and more into the real you by the power of the Holy Spirit within you. And that's where life is found. That's what's such good news about that, is that's actually where life is found. It's called in in 2 Corinthians chapter four, he talks about it being with ever increasing glory. We're coming into who we really were made to be. There's another verse in Philippians chapter two. Therefore, my dear friends, we'll just look at verse uh, 12 and 13 here. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only my presence, Paul says to the Philippians, but now much more my absence. In other words, own it. Continue, look at those words with me to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. You see there, this is his plan. This is God's plan. His, to fulfill his good plan is that you would be made more and more into the real image that he made you to be. That's his plan. And so he says, so work it out with fear and trembling. Work it out, live into and live out of this salvation because that brings life. I know when we get to this place, we start getting all about like, oh no, now we're talking about morality and we're talking about deeds and we're talking about you know, being a good person, all that kind of stuff. You guys, that is all religion. That has nothing to do with this. There is a way to live. We say it all the time, it matters how you live. We're called to holiness. Holiness matters. What does that mean? Being set apart for God, living the way God would have us live, living according to his truth. Because when we don't live that way, it brings death, spiritual death, separation from God, death in relationships, there's chaos in our wake, there's a way to live, and when we don't live that way, we're not in God's plan and there's no fruit. But when we live according to the power of the Holy Spirit, when he transforms us and leads us into holiness, we're becoming more and more the us we were created to be, and from that comes life. Nobody is living their true selves when they're outside of the of being submitted to and led by and transformed by the Holy Spirit. And so some of us are like, man, there's a lot of chaos in my life. I met a gentleman this morning, second time here in our church, who's just like, I have walked away from God and I have made a mess of it. And I'm ready to come back underneath the Lordship of Jesus and lay my life down for him. That's it, because it brings life, because that's the real you. That's what you were created to do. And so many of us were longing. There should be more. There more, should be more in life. I'm not happy. There's chaos everywhere I turn. Everything I have is not satisfying. Like, what's happening? Friends, it could be, as Carly prayed, that we are trying to make our own way. But the real us finds life in submission to the Holy Spirit who's transforming us more and more into the real us. Last thing I just want to say about that is, why does that verse in, in Philippians chapter two say, work out your salvation with fear and trembling? At least it's because God is awesome. But it's also because it should terrify us that we would miss living his way and miss the life that we were destined from the beginning of time to experience. 
It should terrify us that if we miss that, we'll miss everything. And so we live into and we live out of this real us that God has known from the beginning of time by submitting to the Holy Spirit. Okay, so what do we do with that, you guys? What do we do with that? We do what we keep telling you over and over and over again. We get connected and we stay connected to the vine, to Jesus. And what does that mean? We put into our life the spiritual practices which are just ways of simply encountering the presence of the Holy Spirit who can be transforming us on a day-by-day basis into the real us that God always intended us to be. Spiritual practices that put us in the place for the Holy Spirit to transform us into who we were intended to be so that life at its fullest would come. That's why we keep telling you guys these things spiritual practices. You're like, well, okay, is that like a quiet time? Is this you guys tell me? And Ben talked about fasting at the beginning of the service. Some of you were like, he did? Yeah, I know. It was like seven minutes long. You missed it. (laughs) It was so good. But you guys, we don't do that so that you do more things in your life so that you're busier than you already are now. We do that because it puts you in the place where the Holy Spirit can transform you into the person that God has intended from before time for you to be because that's where life is found. And it's so good. That's why we do spiritual practices. Here's the definition of spiritual practices from John Mark Comer. A bunch of us are reading some of his books right now. It's rocking our world. He's so good. He speaks to today's world. Spiritual disciplines or spiritual practices. They're the habits and practices that form our inner world. They're how we train ourselves to be for godliness. They're how we move. Oh, I love this. Don't miss this. They're how we move from disordered loves and disintegrated selves. Come on now, that will preach. They're how we move from disordered loves and disintegrated selves. They're how we become people who can do what we want to do. In other words, people who are coming into who they were meant to be, which is to love God and others with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. And to make it severely clear, Richard Foster, who's just a legend in the spiritual practices, says very simply, the disciplines allow us to place ourselves before God so he can transform us. This is what they are. We get in the way of the spirit. We get in the river of the streams of the waters of life. We just get in the way of the spirit so God can do his thing. So Band, why don't you guys come out? I want to finish and then we'll worship. This whole thing, let's think the logic through with me. This is the richness of the good news, Ephesians 1, 4 says, that before the creation of the world, before the beginning of time, right, we, God had it in his mind to transform us into the real us. That's essentially what the scriptures are teaching. And so we got to live into and out of that. Christ saves us into that, thanks be to God, and the Holy Spirit will guide us into it day by day, even this side of heaven. And we'll find life, because we're living who we were meant to be. So, what are you gonna do, you guys? Two questions. One, how are the spiritual practices at work in your life? Are they bringing life Are they bringing you into the you, the real you? Are they helping you connect with God? Are they helping transform you? And I just say that because there's no wrong spiritual practice, so to speak, but the problem becomes that we get in a rote habit. We get into a rut of doing things where we're not seeing life. 
we're going to church and we're opening our Bible and you know, people are like, I read the Bible through every year. I'm like, I glaze over if I try to read the whole Bible every year. I just want to go, that may work for you. But it doesn't work for me. Hello, short attention span. But if it's not working, you guys, then let's adjust it so that we're putting ourselves in the way of the Holy Spirit. And so if fasting is just a silly thing for you to do, if praying for you is just a way that you're hoping you're earning God's favor by chalking up points like a pinball machine with God, like if reading the Bible is just checking a box, but you're not hearing from the Lord, you're not being transformed by the word, then change it. Because whatever practices you do, what we're really all trying to do, as Richard Foster said, is put ourselves into the place where the Holy Spirit can do his work so that we're being transformed into the real us that we were destined to be. And so what might that look like for you during Lent? Ben challenged us about trying to fast. I hope you go on our website or on the app, click resources, click discipleship curriculum, click fasting and Sabbath, and decide to try a fasting exercise during Lent. Here's another one. Some of us that are in small groups have been talking about prayer this month. Go to that same place, click prayer. There's seven prayer exercises that you can try on for size and see how it doesn't put you in the place of submission to the Holy Spirit where you're clear that God is who you love. You're clear that Jesus has rescued your soul and you're clear that you want life as he has designed it to be. And those things will happen when we encounter God through the practices. May God bless you as you live into and out of the real you, may you continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling because if we miss that, we miss everything that God has given us in this life. Let's stand in worship in response today.